Hello, good afternoon. Good afternoon, everybody. Hi, my name is Joanne. I'm the pastor here. And uh, on behalf of Loud Gen, I want to welcome all of you here. Nice to see everybody. Can you give me a wave? But, you know, I, I think we've been sitting down for quite long. Shall we all just stand up for a little while and just say hi to the person next to you? Uh, you know, if they took part in the game, tell them well done. Or, or maybe not well done. See someone you don't know, you want to introduce yourself. Okay, come on, loud gen people, introduce yourselves. Did you all enjoy the, the video? Can we give the media ministry a hand uh, for, for filming that, that video? The star uh, of the video is, is not here because he's serving a nation in Taiwan. Actually, he's just drinking bubble tea on like taxpayers' money, so... Better come back, Ganesh. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah, I, I, you know, the, this video, it, it, it really reminds me of uh, one of the stories in the, in, in the Bible. And, and uh, before we start, if, if any of you would like a Bible, we have some Bibles to give out. Um, most of what, what I'll be speaking on will, will be on the screen, but if you'd like a Bible just to refer or if you're interested, if your friend who brought you can just give a wave, um, our ushers will, will be happy to, to pass the Bibles along. Okay, so Brian, whoever, okay, or just, just pass the message down, Rachel, that's right. Tianhui. So, as I was saying, um, the video reminds me of a story in the Bible. And in, in the Bible, this, this story, the title of this passage is, is The Rich Young Ruler, okay? And I'm going to just read a little bit for you, very short. Uh, it's on the screen. It says, Now a man, so this rich young man, he came up to Jesus and he asked, Teacher, what good thing must I do to, to get in eternal life? Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, There is only one who is good. If you want to enter life, keep the commandments. Which ones? He inquired. Jesus replied, You shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not give false testimony, honor your father and mother, and love your neighbor as yourself. All these I have kept, the young man said. What do I still lack? I don't know if any of you can um, identify with this guy. You know, this rich young man, uh, he was probably someone who seemed to have it all, right? In some passages, uh, some translations, it says he was supposedly a ruler, right? So he's someone with authority um, and, and rich. So he probably had a lot of friends, um, probably had a comfortable, luxurious lifestyle. Um, and you know, he was young, he was rich, which means he was probably good looking. Uh, it means he was probably successful at whatever he was doing because he was young, but he was rich already. Um, I don't know, do you know anyone like that? Oh, right, fictional Ganesh, okay. <laughs> you know, um, <clears throat> long ago, I used, to, I used to study in a premier junior college, uh, and it was full, full of these kind of people, okay? Like super smart, straight A's, and then they're sporty, or they're like, you know, captain of the whatever basketball team, uh, or like 
president of drama club or whatever, and they're also good looking, they're popular, they have a lot of friends. I, I guess today the equivalent is they will have a lot of followers on Instagram. You know my time no Instagram. And, and the worst part is, some of these people, they're also nice people. Like, don't you hate... Okay, it's just, just me. Okay. Um, maybe, uh, maybe some of you know these kind of people. Or, or may, oh, like some of you point to yourself. Okay, maybe some of you are these kind of people. Um, um, but you know, this guy, this guy, this, this rich young man, right? Even though he seemed to have it all, he actually didn't. Because if he was truly content and fulfilled and satisfied with his life, then he wouldn't have looked for Jesus and asked, what must I do to get eternal life? In fact, when he asked that question, he kind of already knew um, the expected answer, right? Jesus said, well, obey the commands, okay? And he said, yeah, I do. He said, I keep all the rules. I live a good life. I'm a good person. I've done what needs to be done. And yet, somehow he felt it was not enough. He somehow still felt there must be something more. Despite his riches, his accomplishments, his success and all that, he still felt something was lacking. He still felt some kind of doubt or, or insecurity and, and he felt, is this enough? Have I done enough to get what I really want? You know, is there, is there more? And, and you may have read in the news that many successful, um, good-looking and accomplished people and many celebrities, not, actually, they feel that way too. They feel that way too. They are rich, they're popular, they're successful, they're good-looking, and yet, they are insecure. And yet, there is a sense of, of emptiness or, or desperation. You may read, you know, some of them kill themselves, they, they, they turn to drink or, or they, they you know, commit suicide and all that. Now, maybe there are some of us here who you don't identify with all this at all because you say, well, I'm not successful. I'm not doing particularly well in school. I have no friends. I'm, I'm not rich. You know, I'm not particularly talented or good-looking. And, and if that's you, I feel you. I mean, I feel like that sometimes. Although I think I'm quite good-looking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. I'm just joking. Okay. No, th those of us who feel average or if you feel below average, you know, um, I, I don't know if you, if, you, if you ever feel this way that, you know, even, even though we're, we're not really ambitious, you know, we're not trying to be the next big thing, but still, you feel that there's somehow this need, never-ending need to just try and keep up at least, you know, keep up a little bit at least. You try and do quite decently in school and in your CCA, you know, try and make some friends, have at least some friends, try not to look too uncool, go to the gym and lift a decent amount of weight. And, 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 and so we try, right? We, we, try to, we try to be good enough. Um, we, we try to be smart enough. We try to be buff enough. We, we try to be successful enough. We try to be a good person, at least, you know, a, a good friend, right? a decent son and daughter. Um, and we're constantly trying. We're trying to do enough. And we're trying to be enough, right? We try to do well for PSLE, get into a good school or a good JC, or a good uni, or a good poly, and, and you know, or a decent school at least. Try to find a boyfriend, a girlfriend maybe. Try to get married eventually, and then get a good job, and then maybe get promoted, etc. right? And we spend our lives trying to live a good life, or at least um, a decent life, right? At least we try to progress a little bit, we try to keep up, we try to achieve a bit more, um, we try to earn a little bit more, or get a little bit more, or, or be a little bit more, and do a little bit more, and at least be enough, and hopefully at the end of our lives, it will be enough. Or, or not even at the end of our lives, you know, maybe 
we strive and hopefully at some point it will feel enough and we will feel like, okay, we're, we're good now. And I don't know if you ever feel that it's really tiring you know, to try and keep up all the time, keep trying, keep doing, keep working. And, and really for what? Like where, where does it all end? And what, what really are we trying to reach? And, and will we ever do anything that will finally be enough? Is there more to life than this? And today I want to put to you that this longing and this aching in our hearts for something more is really a longing and an aching for God. And the Bible says that God has set eternity in the hearts of men. And that is why there is a longing in each of us for something more, something more than this life, for something that the things of this world and the things of this life will never fully satisfy. Because what we long for is the eternal. And that's why the rich young man asks, what do I need to do to get eternal life? I've got it all here, but what do I need that I haven't got yet? Because I feel that it's not enough. And unfortunately, the answer is that on our own, we will never be enough. Because the truth is that there is something radically wrong with all of us that disqualifies us from eternal life with God. There is a problem in every one of us which makes us unable to fulfill completely this longing for the God of eternity, for perfection, for the God in heaven. And some of us realize this problem, that there's something wrong. Some of us feel it every day, that there's something wrong. Some of us, we constantly struggle with feeling like we're not enough and we'll never be good enough. And we try and we work and we strive, but we're never enough. But maybe for some of us, we have enough success we have enough friends or we have enough money or good things in our lives and so they blind us or they distract us for a while from this problem that's inside of us and we think well actually we're pretty decent people you know we have a pretty decent life we don't we don't murder we don't steal we don't commit adultery you know like the rich young men we've kept all the laws you know generally we do what we're supposed to do and yet this man felt, is it enough? Why do I still feel that there's something lacking? You see, the problem with each and every one of us, whether we realize it or not, is a problem called sin. Because every one of us, we are created in the image of God. And God is the one who created us, and He created us, and He intended us to be perfect and, and holy and righteous just like Him. However, however, we're all imperfect human beings because of the sin that is in us. You see, I really believe this, that if we search and look deep inside of our hearts, and if we are completely honest with ourselves, we will have to admit that we're not really good people, that we're not perfect by any means, that we're not completely good. In fact, if we really search deep, we will find that there is pride, there is darkness, there is ugliness, there is arrogance, there is selfishness in us. And there are multiple ways in which we do not measure up. There are multiple ways in which we will never get to the point where we can say, oh, I'm truly worthy of heaven and of eternal life. And I know this very well in my own life because, you know, on the surface, I'm a pretty decent person. Growing up, I, I always generally did well in school. Eventually, I got a scholarship. I went overseas for university. I came back. I worked as a teacher. Um, eventually, I was heading a department in school. I did well in my job. You know, I got married to my handsome boyfriend. 
Uh, we had three beautiful kids. I mean, we still have them. And, you know, I have, I have a nice house. I have a nice car. Um, now I'm a pastor. I work in church. You know, I help people and all that. I mean, it sounds like I did pretty okay in my life, right? And yeah, I'm grateful for all the blessings. I'm thankful for, for my, my very blessed life. But at the same time, I know. I know that when I search my heart deep inside, there is so much in me that is far from good and far from pure and far from perfect. And so even if on the outside, I, I'm fine and I'm good and I look decent and all that, but on the inside, I know I will never fully be good enough on my own. And I will never be able to reach a point where I can say, I'm a completely worthy and deserving and good human being. And we can all appear to be doing well and fine on the outside, and yet have that feeling inside that there must be something more. What is it that I'm lacking? Or perhaps some of us on the outside, we're not even doing fine at all. We don't think we are good people at all by any standards. And either way, we're looking for some answers. And I want to share with you today that the good news is that there is, there is an answer. And the answer can be found in the cross of Jesus Christ. This is why this is our, our logo for, for our event. You know, I'm sure all of you know that the cross is there as well, you know. It's, it's the central symbol for Christianity. When you were walking into the building today, um, you might have noticed the, the cross or the, the crosses on our building. And, and if you see that, that's a sign immediately you know, right? This is a church. And, and really, the cross is what Good Friday and Easter is all about, right? As Christians, this is, this is our major event, right? If you're a visitor here today, I believe your friend invited you because on Good Friday and Easter, we remember and celebrate the central event of Christianity. Because without the cross, Christianity means nothing. It makes no sense and has no meaning without the cross. And so in the next 20 minutes or so, I hope you allow me to share with you what the cross is about, what Easter is about, and really who our Lord and King and friend and Savior, Jesus Christ, is. You see, more than 2,000 years ago, God, God, He took on human likeness and He came to earth as a man, Jesus Christ. At Christmas, we celebrate His birth. Jesus Christ was God Himself. He was fully God and fully man, and He walked this earth as one of us. And you know, when He was on earth, when Jesus was on earth, He did some pretty amazing things. Here in Lao Gen this year, we've been looking at um, several encounters that people had with Jesus, right? He healed people who were lame. He, he made blind men see. He drove out demons. He performed miracles like feeding 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. He walked on water. He commands the wind and the waves. And he spoke and he preached with such authority that massive crowds would gather to hear him. And he was the most loving and compassionate man. And he reached out to people that no one else wanted to reach. This is the sick, the outcast, the desperate. He saw and knew people in such a way that only God could. And some people, including his closest disciples, they recognized that this guy, he was the Savior. He was the Messiah. However, he had his enemies. Jesus had his enemies. And ironically, the enemies of Jesus were the religious leaders. And they were jealous of the things he was doing, they were jealous of how people were amazed by him. And so they plotted and they conspired um, and they got him arrested. They, brought, they put him through an unfair trial. Just now we sang the song, right? He was beaten, mocked, and scorned. And then he was sentenced 
to be crucified, where his hands and his feet were nailed to a cross. And crucifixion is really the most cruel punishment known to mankind. During the Roman times, this was it, crucifixion. And so there he was. He was hanging on the cross. And while he was hanging on the cross dying, it just didn't make sense to his disciples. You see, they thought that this man was going to be the savior. He was supposed to be the next king of Israel. And yet there he was. He was hanging on the cross. He was dying. And so I'm sure there would have been tons of questions like, did he just bite off more than he could chew? Like, did he finally like use up his power? Was everything that he did so far, was it just all an illusion? What was going on? As Jesus hung on the cross, people were taunting him. They were mocking him. They were saying, you say you're the Savior, but if you're a Savior, save yourself. And actually that mocking, it makes sense. Because why would someone say that he's a Savior and end up dying a criminal's death by public execution? And yet, my friends, here is the paradox. Here lies the beauty and the glory of the cross. Because as Jesus hung there and died, it seemed like defeat. I mean, if you look at a picture like that, it's pretty clear. It's a defeat. But really, this was the ultimate victory of all time. You know, like in those movies where, where the hero appears to be defeated? Like, have you ever watched Black Panther? You know, where like, the King Chala... Like, you know, he, he lost his throne and he lost his powers, he lost his skills, he lost his authority, he lost his kingdom, and then he, like, falls down the waterfall or something, right? Everyone thought he was dead. And then suddenly he comes back and he's stronger and, and, and better and all that, and he saves his kingdom from Killmonger, right? Killmonger, right? He saves the kingdom. And it's kind of like that, right? What appeared to be a defeat actually became a victory. Only the cross of Jesus is way cooler and a whole lot more glorious and actually relevant to you and to me. You see, Jesus didn't die a frustrated or a failed revolutionary. His death was the revolution. And it appeared to be like victory. Oh, sorry, it appeared to be like defeat. But really, this, this was the victory. Because this was what he came to earth as a man to do. He came to die. And as he hung on that cross, he said these words. He said, it is finished. And this was a declaration of completion, of fulfillment, of accomplishment, because he had achieved his purpose. And you know, he didn't mean, I am finished, like, GG this is over. When he said it was finished, what he was saying is, mission accomplished. This was a triumphant cry. It was a cry of victory. And that's what the cross represents. The cross is a representation of victory and achievement. That this apparent defeat was really a setup for victory. Because when Jesus hung on the cross, everyone thought it was over. Everyone thought he was over. Everyone thought he was finished. And the devil thought he had won. It seemed like the end. But really, it was the beginning. It was the beginning of new life available for all of us. Because three days after he died on this cross, Jesus came back to life. He rose again from the dead. He was resurrected. You know, Easter is also known as Resurrection Sunday. That's what we celebrate. And this resurrection is the whole reason for our Christian faith. 
Because you see, the Easter story, it doesn't end on the cross. It is only complete if we see the empty tomb. I don't know if you remember just now we sang the song, See the stone is rolled away, behold the empty tomb. That's what the song is talking about. That the tomb where Jesus' body, his dead body was laid, the tomb that was covered with a huge stone, the, in fact, the entrance to the, tomb, to the tomb, it was sealed, there was a guard posted there. But somehow on Resurrection Sunday, the stone was rolled away and the tomb was empty because Jesus was risen and Jesus came alive. And he was victorious over death. The one thing that no man has ever been and will ever be, be victorious over. And so what exactly was this victory that was achieved on the cross? What was finished on the cross? You know, before... Um, the death and the resurrection of Jesus, right? The way to get right with God was to offer up a sacrifice for the things you had done wrong. So for centuries, people had been offering sacrifices, okay? Killing and burning like animal sacrifices because symbolically, you kill, you know, you do something wrong, the animal, you, you burn it, you kill it, the animal takes the punishment for your sin, the animal dies instead of you in your place. But of course, the animal cannot take away your sin. Why should the death of a goat or a random cow make any difference to the wrongs you had committed? So it was just symbolic. However, when the perfect righteous man dies in our place, when God himself, God who became man, when he dies in your place, that makes all the difference. And when Jesus said, it is finished and he died, he was saying this, that centuries of humanity striving and trying to get, hard with, uh, get right with God through these imperfect animal sacrifices, you know, through our imperfect efforts of trying to do good and be good, that's all over. It's finished because at the cross, by dying in our place, Jesus destroyed the power of sin and death over us. You see, that is the curse that humanity had been under. As human beings, we are all subject to the power of sin. We do wrong even when we don't want to. And we are all subject to the power of death. It's inev in inevitable. But with the death and resurrection of Jesus, no more. He defeated sin. He defeated death. He defeated the devil. And that's why he said, it is finished. With the death and resurrection of Jesus, there's no longer a barrier between sinful men and holy God, the most holy God, the barrier of our sin is torn down and it is finished. And that's why Jesus' death was not failure or defeat at all, but actually the greatest achievement of human history, fulfilling the plan of God for the whole of creation to reconcile us imperfect human beings to himself, our maker, the perfect and holy God. You see, Jesus' disciples expected a savior. They expected a conqueror. They expected someone who would fight for them. But this, on the cross, is how Jesus conquered and how he fought by dying on the cross for his people. Just now we sang the song, My debt is paid. It is paid in full by the precious blood that my Jesus spilled on the cross. And now the curse of sin has no more hold, no more grip over me. And that is what the cross means, that our debt is paid. You know, in Greek, which is the original language that this passage of the Bible was written in, um, the phrase, it is finished, is actually one word, tetelestai. 
which means completed. It means fulfilled. It means accomplished. It means paid in full. Paid in full. It's like, you know, if you went to a restaurant and you ordered like a whole bunch of like expensive food and then it came and you ate and ate and ate and, and you ate this like a ridiculous amount of expensive food and the bill comes up and you're like, oh crap. And then someone comes up to you and says, here's the receipt. It's all been paid for. You can just walk out now of the door free of charge. And like, that's what it's like, except on a whole nother level. That in all our shortcomings and sin and wrongdoing and imperfections, we ran up a spiritual debt that we would never be able to pay. We would never be able on our own to reach the standards of God's holiness and God's perfection. But when Jesus died in our place, he cleared our debts and he paid it in full. Which is why he said, it is finished. The debt is paid. And now that he's made a way, the gates are flung open for us to be reconciled to God, our Father, and our Maker. Because Jesus came and he did what human beings cannot do and could, could not be able to do. Because we couldn't reach up to God. We couldn't get up to God. And so he came down to our level. And what is to be done by us? What do we do for him? Absolutely nothing. Because it's all been done. It is finished. And salvation, this idea of being saved, it is not dependent on our obedience. It is not dependent on us keeping some rules, being religious. It is not dependent on our doing good works or, or paying some kind of penance for our sins. It is not about earning a right or, or displaying some kind of moral behavior because whatever we try to do will never be enough. And God does not ask for and God does not accept any sacrifice for sin other than that which Jesus Christ, the perfect man, paid once and for all upon the cross. And so it's really, it's not about coming to church. It's not about giving money to church. It is not about performing some rituals or doing some good works. You know, it, it's not about our human righteousness. It's not about working for the church or serving or reaching some level of morality because we will never, we will never be enough. Only Jesus' death and resurrection is enough for us. And, and my friends, I really hope that you see this today because it is in this line, it is finished, that hangs the uniqueness of the Christian message. That only in Christianity is salvation found, not in what you must do to convince or persuade God to accept you and save you. It is not about earning some kind of righteousness or reaching a level of holiness. But this is the message of Christianity and the message of the cross. It's not about what you must do. It's all about what God has already done, already done for us, paid in full. That is why when Jesus was hanging on the cross, there, there was actually another guy crucified next to him. Actually, actually, there were two criminals crucified next to him. And one of them, this one criminal, he's at the brink of death, right? He's, he's nailed to the cross as well. He's unable to do a single thing for God. He was hanging there, nailed to the cross. He was not going to be able to go to church or offer up, you know, give some offering or, or whatever. He was, he, you know, he probably didn't live a very moral life as well. That's why he ended up crucified on the cross, right? Publicly crucified. But when this guy, he cried out in his dying moments for Jesus to save him, Jesus said, yes, today you will be with me in paradise. And this criminal who becomes a Christian like, 
just before he dies, he is accepted by God the same as that regular churchgoer who has loved and served God for like the past 80 years. Because God does not accept men because of anything we do, but simply and only based on what Jesus did and what he finished on the cross. And those of us here today, if we are followers of Jesus Christ, we need to know that on this cross hangs our Christian assurance. If we think we are ever separated from the love of God because we haven't been good enough or we haven't done enough, that's not true. It is finished. Finished as if we are ever good enough or deserving enough of the love and grace and presence of God. See, the message of the cross is the all-sufficiency of Jesus Christ. That what He has done is complete and enough and it is finished. And because it is finished, we can have a future and we can have eternal life. Jesus' resurrection from the dead, it blazes a trail for our future resurrection. And that's why as Christians, death is not the end for us. The cross appeared to be a defeat. The end. But really, the cross is about a victory and a beginning. The cross is about a victory that Jesus won in order to save us. The cross is a message of victory. And the final thing I want to share with you today is that the cross is also a message of love. You know, for the last two weeks in Lao Jen, we, we've been looking at some of the things that Jesus said while he was hanging on the cross. And, and in his dying moments, we see what was really at the heart and at the core of Jesus, and that is his love for people. You know, while he was hanging there, and while he was looking down at the people who had beat him, who had mocked him, you know, who, who spat on him and insulted him, he prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they are doing. And to that lowly criminal who was nailed to the cross, you know, that thief who cried out to him at the last minute, he assured, Jesus assured him, today you will be with me in paradise. And then he saw his mother who was standing there and, and probably just like fainting from grief as any mother who saw her son nailed to a cross would. And, she, and he said, dear woman, here is your son. You know, he asked his disciple to look after his mother. And even in his suffering, Jesus was thinking of others and caring for others. You know, no one forced Jesus to go on that cross to die. As humanity, we did not force him to bear our sins. Here, take my sin. We, did. we don't even know that we need to be saved. And yet, on his own accord, voluntarily, Jesus, for our sake, he took the sins of the world upon himself. And you know the death of Jesus, it wasn't an accident, like, oh crap, I don't know what happened and now I'm here hanging on the cross. It wasn't an accident. Oh crap, they've arrested me. He had always told his disciples of the plan. He had always told them that he would have to give his life and die as a ransom for many. And every time he spoke of his death to his disciples, he didn't even say, he didn't just say he will die. He said he must die because it was the only way to reconcile imperfect humanity to God. And Jesus willingly took it upon himself out of love for us. And in the passage, the Bible tells us that after Jesus said, it is finished, he bowed his head and he gave up his spirit. He gave up his spirit. He didn't just expire or succumb to death or like, oh, I can't thank it anymore and I give up. 
It was his choice. He knew exactly what he was doing. And it was not a defeat that he couldn't help. But Jesus chose to do this because he loves us. He chose to go through the suffering, the excruciating pain, the humiliation, the rejection, because he loves us, because he loves you, because he loves me. This is probably the most famous verse of the Bible. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, Jesus Christ, that whoever, whoever, you, me, whoever, whoever believes in him will not die because he's already defeated death, but have eternal life. You know, because he loves you, Jesus died in, the pla- in your place for your sake so that you can come to God. And the best part is that there's nothing you have to do because there is nothing you can do for God. It is finished. And God doesn't ask for our worthiness. We'll never reach it. God only asks for our willingness. For whoever believes can receive eternal life. And Jesus' invitation is open to whoever will believe in Him. Now, does it mean that after we believe in Him, we we suddenly become perfect people? No, of course not. I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. I'm nowhere near perfect. Still highly imperfect. We're all imperfect. But we are covered by the righteousness of Jesus Christ because of what He did on the cross. And as His followers, God sees our imperfections to remove them, you know, not to judge us, not to accuse us. We are safe from His judgment because of the cross if we would only believe in Him. And does it mean that our life will be perfect when we become followers of Jesus? No, of course not. Jesus said that in this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. He has overcome death, He has overcome sin, And therefore, He has given us an eternal hope. In this world, you will have trouble. But you will also have the security that you are loved by God, that you are loved by the Creator of this world, that He is with you always. Because God is our Heavenly Father who loves us. And so that is what the cross represents. The cross shows the victory that Jesus won for you. The cross shows just how much God loves you. And that is the good news for all of us today. I'm just going to ask now that if every one of us could close our eyes and bow our heads just for a moment, we're going to close soon. I know there are some of you here who are are not Christians. And if today the message of the cross, the message of Jesus Christ, the message of God's love speaks to your heart, I want to invite you to to come to Jesus. Come to Jesus and be His follower. Because Jesus has done all that needs to be done. It is finished. Finished. All you need to do is believe and acknowledge that God is your Savior and allow Him to be the Lord and King of your life. All you need to do is believe in Him. Surrender your life to Him. You know, as I've said, I've been a Christian for more than 30 years. To follow Jesus has been the best decision I have ever made. And Jesus, I have found my purpose, my meaning for life, my hope, and the greatest love I've ever known. 
And that is why I've spent the last 40 minutes or so telling you this good news, that it is finished. You don't have to spend your life striving and trying to earn things of no eternal value or trying to be good because Jesus has paid it all and He's more than enough for you. And I just ask for everyone to just close your eyes and, and bow your heads. And, and while everyone, while no one is looking around, I want to ask if there's anyone here who would right now like to give your life to Jesus and believe in Him. And if, if that's you, if you can just give me a tiny little wave, I would love to pray for you, pray with you. We can talk more later. If that is you, would you just give me a little sign? We can pray together. today I also want to speak to people who, who may be here and, and if you've been a Christian but you've been far away this week I, I, was, I was trying to prepare this message and, and as I was praying I felt like maybe there are people here who you're a Christian, you believe in God but maybe you've been far away and I want to tell you today that God has been with you always He has never left you and His love is a love that surpasses knowledge. That is what the cross, the cross is love. That's what it represents. And you know, you don't even know or understand how much God loves you and the extent of His grace and mercy for you. And God has never expected a certain performance or a certain level of holiness or morality for you before you can draw near to Him. And if you've been far away, Today, God is saying, come back. It's never been about your performance. It's never been about your worthiness. It's never been about your morality, your behavior, or how much you've done. Just come back to the Father. Jesus has paid it all. It's finished. I just want to end by praying for us, and we'll stand and sing a closing song. Let's pray. God, we come before you and we acknowledge that we are completely imperfect and inadequate on our own. But we thank you for Jesus and we thank you for the cross. We thank you that you saved us. We thank you, Jesus, that you died in our place and you died for us, that we would have eternal life. And so God, we worship you as Savior, we worship you as Lord and we worship you as King. And God, I pray for everyone who is here today. God, I pray that you will bless each and every one here. That sense of your love, your grace, and your mercy that is available for all. We thank you, Jesus, and we look to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to me share. Would we just stand up now and we're just going to sing um, a closing song before we go for dinner.
pray for us before we, we go have our dinner. And, and I just want to thank you again for coming today. You know, if, 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 if you have questions about what I share, um, you can come and talk to me later. Or just ask the friend who brought you, and, and we'll be happy to talk about it. Let's pray. God, we thank you for everyone who's here today. God, we thank you for the food that is downstairs. And we pray that, God, you will bless the food into our bodies. And, and, and that, Father, the, the, as we have our dinner, God, would you fill this place with a sense of your joy and your love and, and just your presence here. So, God, we thank you. And, God, I want to pray for everyone here today. God, I pray that you will bless every single one who has come here today. God, bless them with a sense of your love. Bless them with a sense of your presence and your purpose for their lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, we can go downstairs for dinner. It is on level one. But before you go down, um, please feel free to take tons of photos at our beautiful photo wall at the back, made with fresh plants and leaves. <laughs> Hey, uh, what's your band name? Actually, the, your home is scattered. Let them take first, huh? Hey, oh, so cute! 